Welcome to a bonus episode of Wondermine. I'm Larissa Parson. I'm a joy coach, a movement teacher, a mom to twins, a bit of a hippie, and of course, an avid reader. And I'm Elizabeth M. Johnson. I'm a parent, a partner, a rape survivor, and writer. I talk and write about relationships, trauma, and decision-making, and I'm a heavy library user. Mm. And if you're new here, hello! We're the duo behind this feminist podcast that looks at the wow and the how of living a life rooted in curiosity, community, and liberation. If you've ever felt like something was missing or you are missing something, Wondermine is the podcast for you. And if you would like to support the show, thank you. You can do that by visiting patreon.com forward slash Wondermine. There are three tiers of support. And in the interest of equity and community, all offer the same perks, which include things like bonus episodes, periodic meetups, exclusive updates, and other behind-the-scenes content. And if you don't want to support us, that's fine, too. We're just glad you're here. Mm, Yes, exactly. So today, for this first bonus episode, we are talking about books. Elizabeth and I are both big readers. And at the start of every episode last season, we talked about what we were reading. So we thought for a bonus episode, it would be fun to do a deep dive into books. We're going to be talking about things like what we read for and who's on our shit list. Let's get going. And I wonder if before we get into those big questions, we want to start soft. How about what we loved as kids? Larissa, do you want to start us off? What did you read as a child? So the question is really, what didn't I read as a child? (laughs) I started reading when I was three, according to my mom. And there are a few books that I distinctly remember reading and loving as a kid. Um, And I just want to say that it is really hard to restrain myself to just talking about a few books. Mm. Um, My dad loves to tell the story of how I used to sleep with piles of books in my bed, like on them and under them. But anyway, so my earliest memories of being read, too, are about poetry, like Paul Lawrence Dunbar and Langston Hughes. And then I remember being older and poking around on my parents' bookshelf to reread those poems over and over again. Um, But in terms of what I really was drawn to as a reader, like with the identity of reader (laughs) as a child, Mm, mm. um, I have this vivid memory of devouring all of the Little House books in one day when I was homesick from school. Just like I read for nine hours straight or something like that. It was amazing. Um, I also remember loving Island of the Blue Dolphins and Julia of the Wolves, though Mm -hmm. I haven't revisited either one of those in decades. Yeah. Um, But I love stories about badass women who live alone now. And I think that is really clearly derived from the books I loved as a kid. How about you, Elizabeth? Did you read a lot as a child? Yes. Yes to all of that. I did read a lot as a child. And actually, (laughs) I wonder if this is like a mom thing. Like, my mother told me that I started to read (laughs) also. And then, um, and, but I had seizures as a small child and the, and then the reading and some other, some, some other skills went away. And so I lost the ability to read. And then I got that back later on when I was like in kindergarten. Um, I guess that's like the, the usual sort of time. Um, I, I remember being read to and reading a lot. I remember as soon as I could bike, 
biking down to the library and just loading up my basket with tons of books. Um, and I, too, really loved books about, um, so those, those badass women before they were women, those, those tough and ready and um, ambitious and outspoken girls. So I loved, um, I loved Ramona. I loved a lot with Beverly Cleary. Um, and I did also love Little House in the Prairie. And I felt like I wanted to be more like Mary, but I was definitely more like Laura, like just getting into the muck of things and just never quite doing the right stuff. Um, <laughs> or what was, I guess, what was expected of me. Yeah. Um, uh, and I love, um, and then I kind of graduated on to like things like Judy, authors like Judy Bloom and Nancy Drew. And I still have, I don't have a lot of like my childhood things, but I have a bunch of my Nancy Drews, which I still look at periodically. Um, and they're still great. She's zipping around in her convertible, solving mysteries, and there's just no stopping her. Um, I read a ton. I read a ton. Um, I, at at that and we've talked about like when we're going to get into that what do we read for I at that point I read a lot for escape I read to just be in a different place doing different things having different abilities and having different resources um, but that kind of got me thinking about what do we read for now so what do you feel like you read for now Larissa I want to answer that question but I want to touch on this the idea that you brought up of what did I read for as a kid too, mm, like that mm-hmm. reading for escape and that there is just this spark of an idea that I got around kind of what is the literature that our kids are consuming now too. There's yeah. kind of like that. And um, when I think about my kids' favorite shows, it's all very similar. It's all like, I would like to live in a different place or I want to have different abilities or, you know, all of these different ways of um, conceiving of what it means to be a person mm. <laughs> and what it could mean to be a person in lots of different contexts. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting to me. And I, I'm like, oh, we could talk all day about children's literature, but we won't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I read for now is the same thing as I just described. <laughs> <It's>, mm. <laughs> um, I read for all kinds of reasons. If I were to really break it down, I definitely read for escape. I love the idea of reading that takes me to a place or a time or a setting, um, a reality that's a little bit different from the one I live in. Um, Sometimes it's better. There's more representation. There are people like me. There are people who are not like me, who are not white men. Um, There are settings where people who are not white cis men are in power. There are things like better communication among friends and lovers. this is kind of why I love things like romance and fantasy and urban fantasy and paranormal romance and like all kinds of subgenres in there and some sci-fi and uh, just lots of different kinds of fiction that create these places that are just a little bit different or where people have different abilities, different powers, different magical skills or whatever or shape-shifting, or any of those things that we could read in some ways as allegorical, but also things that are just like, huh, here's another way to human. Here's mm-hmm. another way to be a person, mm-hmm. because they're not always people <laughs> sometimes, right? Like, in theory, I could be mm-hmm. reading a book with, you know, a lion who talks, and mm-hmm. that would be also another way of thinking about being a person. Um, but generally, in I, I gravitate toward fiction, almost all of the time. And 
most often my favorite stories have um, women protagonists and involve their badassery, but also community. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a lot of different things that I like to see in my fiction. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I don't read literary fiction sometimes. It's just that like, I often need a palate cleanser of several romance novels to like work my way through. Um, And what you all might not know who are listening is that I spent 10 years teaching high school English. So I spent a lot of time in literary fiction and I'm just like, oh, I can choose what I want to read and read just for fun. Like I would say escape and pleasure, which doesn't mean, again, not saying that literary fiction isn't pleasurable. It's just that sometimes it takes more work to get there. Um, Or that you're in a language bath, which is delightful and takes a lot more work and isn't something you can casually pick up, you know, at 1130 at night and read for five minutes and then put it down. Um, Let's see, what else do we read for? What else do I read for? I read the internet a lot. I read a ton of essays, lots of newsletters. Um, I read for information there. I read for perspective. I read for um, people to challenge my thoughts a little bit. Uh, Sometimes I read to have my thoughts reinforced (laughs) and my beliefs reinforced. Well, Uh I don't think, you know, I think that um, as much as I would like to say I'm super open-minded about a lot of things, I am not (laughs) always very open-minded about a lot of things. And so sometimes I I like the echo chamber of the internet a little bit too much. Um, And then I read... When I read nonfiction, when I read offline, when I read books that are nonfiction offline, (laughs) I read them to learn things. I read to dig into ideas that I'm into. So right now I'm reading a bunch of bell hooks. um, And I have a really extensive anti-library that's full of nonfiction that I can dig into whenever I have the time. And it's kind of like, oh, I feel like having a little bit of this today. So I'm going to read a little bit of this book about breath and I'm going to put it aside. Or Mm -hmm. I'm going to read a little bit of Atlas of the Heart and then I'm going to put it aside because it's not really the kind of thing that I can immerse myself in. It's just not the way that my brain tends to work. Though I will say that Bell Hooks is incredibly compelling uh, as a writer. And that a lot of my nonfiction I do on audio because it's a little easier for me to process that way. So that's mm-hmm. what I read for, mm. to learn stuff and to get away. Yeah, it's making me think about, I guess, it's making me question why I don't read to escape more. <laughs> 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 like I used to read to escape, why don't I anymore? Um, You've just grown up more than I have, Elizabeth. Oh, I'm not sure that's it, Larissa. I, um, I'm, I, I was thinking as, a, so I, you read a lot more fiction than I do, and we've talked about this. Yeah. Um, and when I was thinking about things that I read, it, it, there wasn't really, we weren't really talking about this idea of like, what did we read, but we've talked about it in different other capacities, like who were we in our late teens, early twenties? Yeah. And I was wondering about what I was reading then. And I was much more inclined to pick up any kind of fiction at that point. And I think that one of the, perhaps one of the reasons I don't read as much right now is I have a very low tolerance for gratuitous violence, for um, any kind of trauma that's sort of thrown in as a plot twist. Um, And when I was looking at stuff that I was reading, I was like, well, that wasn't that. And I was like, oh, no, that was really awful, actually. You know, this, I mean, 
I read a lot of VC Andrews <laughs> and that's really awful <laughs> yes. in many, yeah. and when I think about the work that I do and I would never go back to that right now, mm-hmm. but I don't, and it's, and I, I guess I wouldn't say that it was like thrown us, like this is the main point of what's going on. There's a lot of like violence and there's a lot of abuse going on and a lot of things that are really questionable. But I think that because, and it's, I would say it's only in the past year and a half that I've really gone back to fiction at all, um, because I think I became kind of burnt out on how much I had to really call through things yeah. um, to find books that were not um, really painful to read um, mm-hmm. for one reason or another. And I'll say that as I've gone back to it, um, the black women and the black men that I have been reading over the past year, and we've talked about this, you know, when we talked about what we've been reading on Wondermind, um, they do a much better job of mitigating the trauma that they are putting into the story so it is not a um, shocker of someone in the closet when mm-hmm. you open it, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I've really noticed and picked up on in the past, you know, year and then probably year and a half that I've gone back to reading fiction. So for me, fiction, that's kind of a long roundabout way, but I, I read for like a big juicy story. I'm yeah. a big, like, I want the big story. I love the, the, I love the saga. I love the epic, if I can get there. We've talked about Clan of the Cave Bear, which, so again, I feel like that's one of those things that we, we did yeah. talk about that. We read that in our early 20s. Um, I, uh, I was 13. 13? <laughs> maybe 14. Listen, maybe I was, I was young. I was, I was too young. Yeah. Maybe I was in high school then. I'm trying to think about where I would have, but I, did, I didn't own those books. So they yeah. would have come from a library of some sort, hmm. I'm guessing, um, or maybe I did own some of them. So... But so it's kind of like epics I love. You know, I read the Harry Potter series as an adult that came out when I was an adult. Um, but I also really like the stand, like standalone, really good stories. I just finished um, Silver Sparrow by Tyari Jones, which is fantastic. And, um, and then, of course, Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois um, by Dr. Honoré Fedden Jeffers. So those, so I love a good juicy story. Um, I'm also much more inclined at this point to, when I think about like what I'm reading for, to put down a book if it's yeah. not working for me. I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the patience and I just don't, um, I, there's too many good books out there. Um, so I would say like, you know, 30% of what I'm reading is fiction for a story, for a really, really good story. Um, I read a lot to find out what other, like how other writers who write something like me in some capacity, how they are writing what they are writing about. Um, so I can be basically a better writer based on what I'm reading and how they're telling their story. Um, that's really an important piece to me. Um, but I also get down these rabbit holes like you and like Alice, we're just kind of tumbling down into this piece where I'm just like, where did, how did I even get here? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm researching Andre Leon Talley's life right now. And I found this really odd sort of obscure reference, not really odd, but just kind of a, a little bit of a alarming reference to someone who I'd never heard of. And so I looked her up and then found a book. And I'm, now I'm kind of looking at this whole book and just finished that on um, Yves Saint Laurent and Lulu de la Felice. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, which was told this great story, which is told through like this series of quotes. Mm. And it just, it's like no book I've ever picked up. That's such so mammoth. So um, research a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm not sure necessarily, sometimes I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with it, but it's funny how sometimes things tie together. 
I I love how you like go down those rabbit holes. It is so totally fascinating to me to see where I end up and mm-hmm. to listen to you tell me about your rabbit holes is always very interesting. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that that was that's a whole fascinating thing that I had yes. no idea existed. No and idea. and maybe that's the beauty of having, you know, a a relationship where we talk about books a lot because then we get to find out all kinds of fascinating things about the world that we wouldn't mm-hmm. otherwise research on our own. And yeah. I think there's I think one of the joys to also in having these conversations with you around books is that you also give me the permission because you are already doing the thing of it's okay to go down that rabbit hole and it's not a problem or you don't always have to know what you're going to do with it because that is something I often feel and you could and, and even when you if, if <laughs> for those who are listening closely, you could hear me qualify my last sentence there, like, oh, and I can even sometimes use it in what I'm writing. Like, it's productive, <laughs> really. It is. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be turned into something. And the and it doesn't always. Um, and I think that when we when we it's so important to surround ourselves with people who also are doing something or who believe something similar, because then. We can talk about it and it's that, okay, you're doing that. I'm not the bonkers one. It's okay to put down this book so early. It's okay to go down this rabbit hole where I might not actually use all of the things that I just learned. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I feel like that to pick up on the it's okay to put this book down. I have I have like three books I need you to tell me to put down now. But it's... <laughs> It's very hard for me to do this. Um, I feel like that is one of those things that keeps a lot of people sometimes from reading as much as they would want to because they feel like they have to keep going with some book and it's actually not compelling. Or you feel like, oh, well, I spent all this time reading and learning about this thing. I should be doing something with it. You know, this like the idea that everything you do should be purposeful or quote unquote productive or generate income in some way. Is this real fallacy that we need to try mm. to get away from as a culture? Yeah. Um, let's see. And this is exactly one way we can just do that: is just to yeah. just to put down the book or put away that the piece that's not working for us. I think also one of the reasons I am a big um, library user is, and, and we've talked about this too, because you you're a big audio book person, you know, but is we don't, I think sometimes we feel compelled to finish the thing because we just purchased it or we, it was just, or it's given to us like it's a gift, it's here and I feel like I need to do something with it. Yeah. Um, but this is also another great reason to listen to it as an audio book, right? You don't have to own it. It doesn't have to take up, you don't have to have an anti-library if you don't want to. Or go to the library and check out a bunch of things, read some pages, bring back the stuff that's not working for you and move it along. Yeah. Yep. Or, um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big user of the e-library book because I do read so much fiction that like, I don't actually need to have on my shelves, like the 20 romance novels that I read every year. Not all of them. Some of them are so good that I'm like, Hmm, but I don't need to own them. And because for some, because I'm not going to reread them, you know, I'm not going to go back and like revisit a passage in there most Mm -hmm. likely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I was going to, I was like, I just, I, okay, I do want to pick up on this one thing. You said when you, when you talked about loving sagas and epics, I think that's mm. also part of why I like reading um, often 
often fantasy novels, all kinds of different settings, whether it's kind of like a classical fantasy setting where it's medieval-ish or a more urban-y setting, something like that. I Part of the reason I love those is because those are often told in multiple volumes of like thousand page books. And it's mm-hmm. deeply immersive. It's deeply like complex. You get these characters who develop over years as opposed to this quick arc of a few months. And it's just really, it gives you this deep experience that you don't really get um, by binging a show on Netflix, Mm. you know, no matter how good it is. (laughs) The show may be great. I love lots of TV, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah. And think I I just, and I so appreciate your language and how you're talking about this. It's like, (laughs) this is probably what it means to have been an English teacher for 10 years because (laughs) It, that's exactly right. And I'm thinking, so what's my, what, what are my words around why I love the saga so much? It is deeply immersive. And you do get, and I'm using all your same words, it, you do get <laughs> to know these characters so well and see all of their nuances that you don't, that you just don't get, don't necessarily get in a, you know, 280 page um, standalone book, which is totally fine. I love those too. But there's something just absolutely um uh, just beautiful and and it's rare I think to find something that I can I can fall quite fall into so deeply like like a saga or like an epic like that I, I agree it is rare to find a real saga a real epic like something that's super long that I can immerse myself in but yeah. when I find it I'm like I pre-order the next book when it comes mm. out you know <clears throat> I just really I'm like this is these are my people. I'm invested. I'm in for it. All right. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I just wanted to pick up that thread because I feel mm. like that's really important. It's important to think like if we're reading, what are we reading for? Sometimes we're really reading, not necessarily. I wouldn't even call that escape, but for immersion, which is a little, you know, it is escape, but it's also like I want to go to there. <laughs> it's not just I want to get out of here. Mm, that's a good distinction. Yeah, that and that that I actually feel like that resonates with me because it's I the the escape piece doesn't quite so much but the because I don't want to get out of here. Much as I want to go there. I want right. to go and do that thing and be right in their pocket as they're doing all of these um is there on is they're learning all of these bits and they are taking all of these travels and all of these revelations that they're having. I just want to be right there. Exactly. It's like, it's not that you don't like your home. It's that you want to go to the beach sometimes or, you know, to a setting 1500 years in the future or whatever. Mm. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Or, or, or any other alternative world. Yeah. So, um, I, I could keep going about this, but maybe we should move on to our last question for today, because there's, There is no way we are only doing one books episode. Um, Who's on our shit list? So who do we not want to go hang out with in their pocket while they're doing things? Who's on your shit list, Elizabeth? I I, I actually, (laughs) I have some people on my shit list (laughs) right now. Um, all the white male fiction writers are on my shit list right now. They are like, they are on a shelf that I may go back to in January, 2023. And everyone needs to hold me accountable on this one because I am so 
done with the mediocre fiction that I am reading when I when it's given to me or it's like a book swap I don't do any book clubs I have no idea how it, that's not happening for me but it's just not um but it's I'm um I'm out of patience <laughs> and I'm I'm so out of patience I'm not even willing to give the book a try any longer I just see that it's by a white male author and I'm like okay I'm done with this I will give it sometimes to my husband and see if he's interested and or I will send it on to the next person but I, I I'm done with the mediocrity um and um so that that they're, they're on my shit list right now. I, I'm not sure I'm going to hold myself to the same thing for for the white male nonfiction folks, because some of those guys are fantastic. And I, I'm not it's it, I, I'm not sure I can say that it's mediocre. Um, the fiction is absolutely mediocre, but the nonfiction, there's something about that where it really has to be of a, some sort of caliber um, <laughs> in order to get out there or at least. I guess one would assume it's the same for fiction, but I don't seem to see that that's the case. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give myself some space on that one. Um, for, for right now, it's all the, it's, it's all the white men who write fiction. Beware. I'm not reading yours. <laughs> I'm here to co-sign on that. I don't think I have much to add really. Okay. <laughs> Since I hardly ever read any nonfiction by white men, that's not a hard one for me. And fiction by white men, there's one exception that I can think of off the top of my head and and he's a fantasy author mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for the last book in ah. a series. And Fair. other than that, like I just don't generally don't tend to read I don't tend to read very many men to begin with. Um but especially not white men. So that's an easy one to co-sign on to. And yeah, I don't have any particular authors on my shit list, but um, I'm here for let's not read a whole bunch of white guys this year. Yeah. 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 Well. I guess that wraps us up for I guess this wraps episode up. on books. It does. It does. Um... We want to thank everyone for listening. And if you'd like to support our work, this is a reminder that our patrons find out first when the new season drops and get bonus content. You'll find us at patreon.com slash wondermine. We are so grateful every time you share Wondermine with friends. Writing us a review will help others find their wow and how of living a life rooted in curiosity, community, and liberation. And in the interim, you can follow us at Wondermind Podcast on Instagram. Thanks again, everyone. We're so delighted you've been listening.